Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. I feel like today is kind of a family day. Just Kevin here, Billy and Mike. It's just, it's family. Ted's word about knitting things together. Dude, it doesn't doesn't break. When you're in the kingdom, it doesn't doesn't change. Um, today's message is titled The Things You Fear or a Double Portion. It's your choice. Okay. And so um, I wanna I wanna quote you two scriptures and then Miss Karen's gonna share some of her testimony. Um, this message was inspired by God and Rodney. I found out later it was more God than Rodney. But uh, um, you know, sometimes as a leader, you get frustrated because you have a plan, and then God decides to blow your plan up. And so at 9.30 last night, Bill Vanderbush was still coming here until 9.30. And I didn't have a message. Sure, I can handle it, Bill. I'm talking to the guy who's called Mr. Revelator, who's probably got 74 messages in his morning prayer. And I'm like, I got to get one now. And, And I heard the Lord say, just cool it. And he said, Rodney put you in the direction I want to go tomorrow. And this confidence that God knew Bill was going to have an issue and have to cancel. By the way, Bill says he loves you, and uh, now he owes me. (laughs) I did get a Cuban out of it so far and and another date for him to come preach. But he's also, I mean, he's, he's... He's more than a friend of the house. He's left deposits here that have changed us. And uh, we so love him so much. But but so the the calming thing between me and the Lord happened last night. And and the alarm went off this morning at 6. And I was so calm, I slept till (laughs) 7. And then I went, hey, Lord, you serious? (laughs) You better help me. And he's like, what, what did Rodney provoke you yesterday? What, what did Rodney, Rodney's provocation, what did it do? One of the conversations we had as, as, as elders is that we get into the beginning of the next year, we're going to do a Bible study night and get back into midweek and actually get back to studying the Bible. And so in that conversation... We start talking about um, this scripture, Job uh, 3.25. It says, For the things which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come unto me. And that was our contents, and, and, and I have been woken up um, in the last eight weeks probably five times, and that scripture comes up. The thing I have feared has come upon me. And I started personally dealing with business and finances and employees. And then I really wasn't focused on the church stuff with that scripture. It was more personal. And so, you know, I I gave that to Rodney. And then Rodney 
his teacherness, his teacherness sends me a 47-page text. Have you, re- have you really read the scripture in context? I'm like, evidently not. <laughs> and so he put me on to a mission. <laughs> Yesterday, I kind of had a... a yeah, we had a phone call too. <laughs> but but it put me on a mission to I started reading the book of Job. Uh, the other scripture I want to s- start off with is train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from you. What? That's what God's been giving me all week. Yeah, well, now I'm going to interpret it for you. <laughs> and so... So here's, here's what I started jotting down yesterday, knowing that I'm going to do a major Bible study in the book of Job. And at seven o'clock this morning, I got to pull off a message and listen to the anointings on this. Um, <clears throat> here's, here's what I read yesterday. 50 lessons to learn from the book of Job. 20 proofs that sickness is from Satan's, is Satan's work. 60 facts and statements from Job's suffering and 75, 74 charges he had against God. That's what I read yesterday. That's going to be a good Bible study. But we're not going to go there. Um, it'll be good. Um, Miss Karen, come up here, please. We're going to have to kind of share this microphone because that doesn't work. I want it on live stream. And so Karen came to my office Friday, and uh, she wasn't looking for a prophet. She was looking for a pastor, and she was looking for a friend. And we spent some time together, and... God's doing some major things in her life. And there's also a lot of Job suffering going on. And she has a testimony. We all have been praying for some of these. I just wanted to share a little bit. And I want to tell you that testimonies, when you hear a testimony, it's if you can do it for her, you can do it for me. That's the power of a testimony. And, and I'm telling you, this, this, is, this whole message is prophetic and it's a testimony because we're going to deal with some of our fears and we're going to start valuing some of our suffering and we're either going to get a double portion or you're going to stay in fear Mm -hmm. this is weird it means you got to stay close Mm -hmm. no that's not weird especially when you're my pastor Well, I had to write a couple of things down because I got pretty wiped out during worship and the Lord was just speaking to me. And I thank thank those that came around me and prayed for me and I could hear what you were saying and just speaking life into my situation. So I appreciate that. I love this scripture, the thing I fear has come upon me. Well, that has been, had been most of my life concerning my children And in February, February 2nd of this year, I stood up in front of this congregation and I asked for prayer for the very first time for my son who was a, was a meth addict. And he had, uh, due to some bad choices, he had decided to bring 
a man from Orlando home from New Orleans uh, to Ian's uh, not to his knowledge, had over two and a half kilos of methamphetamine in the trunk of the car. And my son was charged with seven counts, seven felony counts, along with the passenger. The maximum sentence was life in prison and a million dollar fine on one of the charges, one of the felony charges. So that was the fear that I was always afraid that my son would get caught and would end up in prison. But be, because of Florida law, even though he wasn't implicated by the drug dogs, because he was the driver, Florida law states you're responsible for what's in the car. Even though he had not touched the bags of drugs or anything, he didn't even know they were in the trunk but he got charged along with the passenger. And so I asked for prayer for my son. And many, many people, and I have to say thank you so much for the diligent pounding the doors of heaven for my son. Because this week, my son, his charges were dropped. And his case was dismissed. The prosecuting attorney, praise God, the prosecuting attorney uh, gave him a, like a choice if he would testify against the passenger. They would drop all the charges, and they did. So on Tuesday of this week, he gives his deposition to the, uh, pro the state attorney's office. Praise God. But I wanted to say something. I wrote these things down. That a lot of times we're charged for things we didn't do or where people accuse us of things we didn't do. But God knows everything. Don't my message. God knows everything. He sees everything. That is the one thing that everyone has been reminded me. And God has reminded me during this time that he is sovereign. He sees it all, and he's going to take care of us. He's going to take care of our business. All through these 10 months, the Lord kept saying, keep looking for me, Karen. Keep looking for me. I will show my face to you in the littlest of things, but if you have to just keep looking to me. And it reminded me of how David had to encourage himself in the Lord so when things look bad, we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. You gotta reach deep down inside and pull, pull out the Holy Spirit from the bottom of your feet all the way up and keep looking for Him. You know, during the 10 months that my son was in jail, he was angry probably the first four months. He was so, he was spitting mad. I can't even tell you, you know, there were times I had to tell him to shut up on the video calls and on the phone calls because I knew they were all recorded. He was just spitting nails for the first four months that he was in there. And the anxiety as a mother was off the chain because he's almost legally blind and they kept refusing to give him an eye exam and get him glasses. So, you know, just trying to finagle with this stupid system, getting him his contacts. Just, I mean, for God's sakes, if, if they fell out, he couldn't see past his arm. That's how blind he is. 
So just the worry for his health and everything was just crazy. But after that four months, he allowed me to, to start talking to him just from a mother's perspective, reminding him of the plans that God has for him, all the prophetic words that have been spoken over him as a child, just being able to uh, open that little door of encouragement for him. And he began to receive. He began to ask me to, Mom, would you write to me again? Mom, would you send me pictures of the family? Just he wanted, he turned a corner and he wanted that remembering that there's life beyond the walls. Even if he never got out, he wanted to remember. But there was one thing I did want to share that really was a turning point uh, over these times. We have been praying that the Holy Spirit would visit him. He got baptized in the Holy Ghost when he was only four years old. And the devil was after him from that day on. You know, the, the car smelled like rotten eggs when he shared. We came back from on our way home from church, and he said, uh, told me he, he met the Holy Spirit that day in his Sunday school class, and all of a sudden the car filled with this smell of rotten eggs. And, and he said to me, he says, Mommy, that is the devil. He doesn't like me. And I said, you're right, he doesn't like you. And from that day on, it was like, forget it. But I was able to remind him of that, and he remembered. He remembered that day. He remembered the day that Jesus looked at him in the mirror in the bathroom when he was six years old. He started to remember the goodness of the Lord. And there were significant words that were given to him that that change started to change his thinking one very significant thing is the intercessors were praying that the Lord would touch him in the courtroom. It was before COVID hit, and they still were able to go into court. And he went into court, but it was like the devil was trying to get him. They switched his court date without even telling his lawyer. So he went, I had to call his lawyer. Hey, Ian's going to court today, you know. You know, and they said, oh my God, the lawyer's in another courtroom in another county. Just tell Ian to sit tight, sit tight, sit tight. So when he called me back, I said, I'm going to pray for you. I am going to pray that the Holy Spirit show up in such a way that it is undeniable that his, he is with you. And I got a call after the courtroom and he said, believe it or not, mom, he said about, Ten minutes to four, the court closes at four. At ten minutes to four, I felt this heat from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, and I could hear the Lord say to me, Ian, I've got this. And right after that happened, his lawyer walked into the courtroom. Just last week, because everything was delayed, delayed, we were sitting here on a Thursday, and Terry came, Terry came, came in late. And we're all sitting here praying. And Ian called in the middle of the prayer time, just in the middle of prayer. Hey, mom, you know, I'm going before the judge tomorrow. Would you pray for me? So we put him on speaker and the intercessors started praying for him. And Terry got a word for him. And she says, Ian, the Lord is saying, get behind me. Just get behind me. I've got this. 
And he and she said, Ian, I see him reaching his arm. You're next to him, but I see the Lord reaching his arm and pushing you, forcibly pushing you behind him. And he was so happy. He said, "Thank you," and everything. And we prayed for him. And he went to he went into the courtroom. And they finally gave him a date to go, you know, for this, you know, are you ready for trial? But he asked me to write that down and send it to him, you know, in writing and send it to him in a text. And I did. And lo and behold, Thursday morning, I get a call. Of course, from his lawyer called me first when I was here. But... Ian called me after he got out of the courtroom, and he says, Mom, I did exactly what Terry told me to do. I got behind him, and he got it. He took care of me. So I just want to encourage you that no matter what things look like, that God is faithful, and he's certainly sovereign. And so here I sit with my friend Kathy, telling me that this miracle for my son is an anchor for me to hold on to because I need a miracle for my daughter. She's in a crisis center right now, and she doesn't even know her own name. She's been a drinker for over 25 years, a very heavy drinker, and her mind just snapped this week and I brought her uh, to crisis center. But we need help for her. We need a miracle for her. But I know if God can do it for my son, God can do it for my daughter. Because he's not done with her yet. And I appreciate the song you sang this morning. It totally broke me through the fire and through the water. He's here all around us. No matter what, he's here. Thank you for your prayers. Put the, clip this, clip that back oh, there for yes, me. Yes, yes. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Well, you know, we're already going to say, we're going to declare that that's already done right now. Amen. Amen. That what she spoke, we're going to be in agreement with her, with her daughter right now. Absolutely. As, as all of us being knit together with that needle in agreement, saying her daughter is going to be set free. We speak it out. We prophesy it right now. And we just thank you, Father, that we're going to get that uh, word back. And she's going to come up there and she's going to declare that again. What happened with her son? She got a miracle for her daughter. And we're going to all be in agreement with this in the name of Jesus. And we plead the blood over that. Amen. Amen. She will fulfill the promise of the destination yeah. she spoke over her and her mother's womb. She will. She will. She will live and she will not die. She will fulfill the promises she spoke over her. Job three twenty five. For the things which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I w- was afraid of is coming to me. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Miss Karen came for a pastor on Friday, and I was pastoring to the best of my ability, feeling the pain 
and the victory. And here you got one victory with a son, and you got horrendous pain with a daughter. How many times have you got a victory in the spiritual realm and your house just collapsed? You got a victory over here, Jesus says you're that, and you're just got fired. Or you're, there's, there's just, you look at your bank account and it's amazing. This is not going to work. And you can have fear or you can walk in faith. What about your marriage? What about, you? listen, I, I, this morning praying, I, I feel like I'm preaching to you today because I don't think you realize the power that God's given you over those kids. You can sit, I'm telling you, I saw you, Susie's going to lay hands on you before we're done here. And there's some things that what Ted said, we're all knit, we're joint. Let me tell you something. Me and Susie, we got some go-go juice that we paid a price for that you can have. See, see, I've battled that fear. I can remember praying, God, are you going to deliver Jason? God, are you going to deliver Jason? And this demon talked to me every morning I would go to prayer. He was still in high school, and he just loved his drugs. He didn't even skip school. He just went high. And this demon kept telling me that he's going to die. Jason will never get free, and Jason's going to die. And the bombardment, the demonic bombardment, eroded my faith. I couldn't. I'm going to read about Job here, but I've been Job. I couldn't find the faith to believe that God said that he would be free. One morning, God thunderously broke the silence. Now that you've come into agreement with a demon and Jason's going to die, are you man enough to preach his funeral and get his friends saved. That'll wake you up. Now that you've come into an agreement with a demon and he's going to die, are you at least man enough to preach his funeral and get his friends saved? I had to pick myself up by my bootstraps. Are you telling me he's going to die? He said, no, you came into agreement with death. You didn't come into agreement with life. I never said he was going to die. It's the power of your agreement. You can agree with fear and death, or you can agree with me. And something rose up on the inside of me. I said, that boy ain't dying. That boy's going to be set free. And let me tell you something. There's this thing as suffering that if you're not careful with your suffering, you'll start doubting how good God is. So I'm driving down the road Friday after being the good pastor I am. And I'm praying for my friend Karen. Victory on one hand, crisis on the other. And that scripture comes up. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I heard uh, it wasn't the pastoral anointing. That prophet showed up on me. And he said, that is an eternal scripture. You call her and you tell her that if she had not believed, those two babies would be dead. She did train them up. 
And she has fought for their life. And if she hadn't been the fighter she is, if she hadn't been tenacious with the struggle, if she hadn't been holding me accountable, those two kids would be dead. And I called her without a pastoral authority, and I told her what God said. And sometimes you're going to have to just figure it out. My kids are alive. Both my kids are alive because I didn't quit. I can remember after his overdose, checking out. Susie's like, I'm pulling the covers over my head, and I'm not going to exist anymore. I'm like, no, you're not. You're not going to hang me out to dry, girl. You get your butt out of bed. You get your Bible out. God has a plan. Do you hear me? And you can't hang me out by myself. For once in my life, I know she finally obeyed me. Because when I left, she actually got her Bible out. (laughs) So miracles do happen and rebellion will eventually go away. The phone was ringing, and I walked in the office, and it's Susie. She goes, I got my Bible out. I got my devotion out. Guess what's the title of today's devotion was? God has a plan. Verse 1 of Job. There was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job. That man was blameless, upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yokes of oxen, five female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest in all of the people of the East. I'm telling you what, it's time that we're going to find some people that have everything but are missing God, and we're going to tell them who God is. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each each one of his days, and they would send and invite their sisters and eat and drink with them. And when the day of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them and would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their heart. And Job did this continuously. That's what you do when you pray for your kids. That's what you do when you pray for your kids. That's what you do when you pray for your kids. I'm telling you, we already have that down, Pat, but we haven't figured out how to pull heaven down and make heaven do what it said it was going to do. So Job said, here's four characteristics. He's blameless. That Hebrew word is T-A-M, which means perfect, blameless, or flawless. He was upright, Hebrew word S-Y-A-S-A-R, straight, something morally straight, upright, and listen to this word, innocent. Yeah, that made me jump. Rodney sent me in the right direction. (laughs) Feared God, uh, the word is to fear, to worship, and to have reverence. Eschewed evil, to turn off, to decline something, and to be sour against something, or to depart from it. His characteristics was, was he, he avoided, 
He had a sour attitude toward evil things. Some of us have a sweet attitude toward evil things and wonder why God's not moving. We call it grace when we tolerate their addictions. Did you hear me? You need to do an examination to find out what you're sweet to and what you're sour to. We've tried to win our kids by being sweet to things we should be sour to because then we don't allow God God to come in and break this stuff. But after losing it all, Rod didn't have me reading the whole book and I ain't got time to preach it all. But but basically, I'm going to put it in Charlie Coker language. God and the devil had a crapshoot. They were rolling dice. The two biggest powers in the universe were rolling dice. Satan goes, huh, if I curse Job, he goes, I just went around the earth, tried to find some righteous people I can mess with. And God, in all his beautiful wisdom, goes, have you tried Job? I'm like, shut up. Why would God tell the devil, why don't you try him? He's, he, he's righteous. He's blameless. He fears God. He's done everything. He's the perfect role model and got money and a bunch of nice kids. And he prays for him. There's The man's doing nothing wrong. And God gets into a rolling dice with Satan. He said, ah, those characteristics won't take him through the hard times. Oh, really? You can do everything, but don't touch his physical body. His kids die. His sheep get killed. All the, He loses everything. And it didn't work. And the devil's like, hey, you going to roll again? Let me touch him. You let me touch his physical body? We can do it. Boom, he gets boils. Dude, he had a marriage problem. His wife is like, why don't you curse God and die? I've had my wife say, I'm going to curse God, and I hope you die, but I've never, you know. <laughs> so he had, he had, he lost all of his kids, he lost all of his money, he lo- and, and, and he had a really good marriage. He's having a bad day. So I, don't, I think I just covered every problem in the room. But he was suffering. I've watched my wife's personality change, not for the good, when her baby was in Iraq, when her baby was dodging bullets or bombs. You suffer. Doesn't mean she wasn't walking in faith, but she was suffering because the enemy will lie to you, and if he can get you into agreement, he'll own you. Job 1, verse 20. He lost everything. See, here's the thing. Let me me tell you what, what made me cry with Karen. This This ain't a bad weekend for her. This has been a really bad season. 
And the devil will wear you out if he can hook you into a seasonal attack. See, in, in verse 120, when Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. What the hell else are you going to do? You lost everything. So his characteristics put him in a place of submission. So I'm going to worship you anyway. But here's the problem. When your worship doesn't change the season, you still have to get up in the morning and battle your own emotions. You've got to battle that. He said in verse 21, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord give, the Lord has taken away. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Verse 22 says, And all this Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Just let me explain something to you. That's chapter 1. There's 42 chapters. He had an attitude adjustment against God. I'm mentoring a lot of people right now more than ever across the country. And God has called me on the carpet. Actually, it was Susie first, and then God backed it up. (laughs) Susie used to say this to me. She said, you're a hypocrite. You're a leader, and you're discipling people, but you're a hypocrite because you put a demand on me and my kids that you don't put on other people. But they act like they want what you got, but you don't make them do what you make us do. And she called me a hypocrite for years. And so in my little prayer time, Jesus decided to back her up. And he called me a hypocrite. So these prophetic people I'm mentoring, oh, man, I had this dream. It's like you're dropping golden nuggets in my life. Who cares? what i said who cares remember that dream yeah well i had an encounter with god i am dropping golden nuggets into your life the problem is you got a your 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 treasury bag has holes in it because you're not a tither you're unstable in all your ways because you don't even give what god requires to give and you think you're okay with him and i keep giving you gold nuggets and it keeps rolling down the highway because you're unstable in all your ways oh I, i i tuned up about four or five of them this week why because i'm not gonna be a hypocrite Some things God requires. If you want to be stable. Now, listen, he doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And if you think I'm after your money, I actually have told people this week, I want you to find out what your gross income monthly is. What is the tithe? And I said, you're not giving anyway, but you're a bucket plunker. At least get credit for the bucket plunking. And then tell God, I'm going to consume the rest because I'm a priest. God told me to do this, and he says, and then I'll deal with them. See, the problem is you don't have enough identity that you're a priest that you actually could take the tithes if it was in agreement with God. Most of you won't even debate with God on it, especially people that aren't tithers. I actually had someone this week ask to borrow money. I said, you're not a tither. You're bad ground. 
I got what I got because I actually believe the principles of God. He's still mad at me. See, Job, if you start reading this book, Job, Job lost everything, personal attack on his body at the point that, 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 that he was unrecognizable, it says. His friends came to comfort him, and it says he was unrecognizable. And so by, by Job chapter 3, here's his new voice. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day he was born. Suffering will take you to the point you, you wish you hadn't been born. Anybody been there? Verse 20 of Job 3. Why is light given to him who is in miserable, who's misery and a life to the bitter and sold? Verse 21. Who, who longed for death, but it comes not. And dig for it more than hidden treasures. Dude, this is, this is the guy who, who Jesus did a crapshoot with the devil. And he's saying, listen, I, I wish I, I'd rather die. I have nothing to live for. He's being tested. He's being tested. And this is where he's coming out. I, I heard a story last night of somebody's son who, had an overdose and died. What, last week, Sue? Sue's left the building. <laughs> I picked on her too much. In, in the conversation, the, fa- the person tell me, she says, her dad felt bad, better that he, he um, tried to commit suicide a couple months ago and was unsuccessful. He feels better now because, you know, if you commit suicide, you won't go to heaven. That's pretty bad when that's the comforting thing you have. Is he didn't commit suicide, so at least he's going to be in heaven. Listen, that's sorrow. When your sorrow can change your perspective, and that's your greatest hope. Verse 22, who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they find the grave. He's throwing a party because he wants to die. Why is light given to a man whose ways is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For my sighing comes instead of my bread. He's mourning. He's in such depression he can't eat. And my groans are poured out like water. For the thing that I feared has come upon me, and what I dread befalls me. Be careful what you're afraid of. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. Here's seven reasons that mankind get into this. Because of life's misery. We want to let, you want to do a biblical thing here? Life sucks sometimes. Get over it. Especially prophetic people, we want to know everything. No, sometimes it's just bad. You don't need an explanation, or you're going to dig up something you don't need to dig up. (laughs) 
One, because of life's misery. Two, bitterness of soul. Death is better than life, verse 21. Desperate to end it all. The grave would be a relief. Life is so hedged in. What do you do when you have no options? What do you do when you have no options? Because of the suffering and troubles that are met day and night, verse 24. But you got to go to the end of the book, baby. It's time. Just, just, just go. I'm going to the end of the book. See, you can stay in the mully grubs. You can stay with all the misery. You could pet your fears. Pet your fears. Oh, I call that strategizing. No, I'm petting my fears. The reason I'm figuring this out is because I'm actually afraid that I can't figure this out. So you can go to chapter 42. Verse 10 through 17. You've got to go back to the end of the book. Here's one of the things that I saw this morning when I was putting, like I said, this is kind of hot, hot, hot off the press. His friends couldn't comfort him. He needed a new wife. She wouldn't leave. Freaking bad habit sometimes just won't leave. What do you do when your friends are doing their best to help you and say you're the problem? That's the greatest wound. When you've been on the face of God and you've repented, you've repented for your children's sin, you've repented for your sins, you've repented for your wife's and husband's sin, you've repented, you're repenters. He's limbered up. And people come and say, you, 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 you must be in sin. But God's value, most valuable asset to, to even put him in this situation was, he's a righteous man. He's blameless. He's upright. And the one that will be the hardest convinced that God said that about you is you. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, you're blameless. You're perfect. You're upright. You're holy. You're righteous. I dare you to let suffering steal your identity. Shame on you. 
to let suffering steal your God-given identity. Verse 10, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. This morning as I was putting this together, I was going to let Karen come share her testimony and her struggle. She been praying for a few of you? She's an intercessor. She has to have victory if this is right. She has to have victory if this book is right. It would be unauthorized not to have victory. When he prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came to him all of his brothers and sisters, and all who had known him before, and ate bread with him in his house. Listen, let me tell you, Susie's got some bitterness of soul. Because she says, when I die at my funeral, certain people she's not going to let come. <laughs> they weren't nice to you when you were alive. I don't want to see them when you're dead. She needs prayer. But what, but, but, but I'm making a joke out of it. But what do you mean you don't blame? That's, that's wrong. She needs to get saved. What I'm saying is, what, what, but listen, what, what she's saying is, I was hurt by XYZ person. And I refuse to let them come actually honor you now. That's not biblical. What it means is I was hurt. What it means is they brought suffering on me, and I'm not going to be Christ-like anymore. I really didn't plan on calling her out. Jesus, i got to go home with her. But, 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 but I think the principle is so key here is that the promise... To get double portion comes with praying for your friend. The problem is we don't want friends. Friends are tough. I heard Susie say, I don't want any friends. They're miserable to me. They just suck the life out of me. It It costs you something to be someone's friend. And some of you aren't friendly enough to have any. But you're going to walk around with a double portion because Benny Hinn laid hands on you. Not, not if these principles aren't followed. I'm, I told you I ain't hypocritin' no more. When he came to him, all his brothers and sisters and all who knew him before and ate bread with him in his house and they showed him sympathy and comfort him for all the evil the Lord had brought on him. Who? Your friends will blame God because they don't have the theology that God's given you. But they 
had learned tithing, sowing, and reaping, because it says, and each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job, Job more than the beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. He had seven sons and three daughters. Time out. He had 7,000, he got 14. He had 6,000, he got double the amount, but, but he only had the same amount of kids. You know why? Because if you chain up a child, train up a child in the ways he'll go, he'll never depart from it. It's the eternal scripture. He had a set in heaven, and he got a new set on earth. Because when you do this from the eternal perspective of God, and you parent, and you 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 don't let them, you, you don't let the devil get to your kids. I don't care what happens to your kids; they're there, Amen. and they're waiting on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm? He got her saved. He baptized her for an hour. <laughs> And he called the first of his daughters Jamela. Jemima. Not Aunt Jemima. Jemima? That's Aunt Jemima. He called her Aunt Jemima. The Hebrew word for dove. Catch this. Because listen, I, I tru- listen to me. I truly believe I'm preaching to the mamas in the house. I'm, I believe I'm giving you keys to set your kids free or set them on the right course. I really feel this is, this is a mama's message. I mean, we'll take it. I need it. <laughs> Jemima, dove, and the name of the second was Kazea, which means cinnamon. And the third one was Karen, not Simmons. Um, hop up, hop up. It means horn to face paint or cosmetic box. Horn, horn of oil. So these are the three new daughters, the daughters that were born in prosperity, the daughters that were born out of the double portion, carried the dove, carried a fragrance. carried oil. They carried oil. In all the land, there were no women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. This is a kingdom message. This gender thing is done. If you're in the kingdom, you're a son. But you carry the dove, you carry the fragrance, and you carry the oil. And you raise up a child. The way he'll go, and he will not depart from it. Either here or there. And until we get that perspective, we're going to get hung up on the suffering (laughs) 
After this, Job lived 140 years, saw his sons and daughters and sons and f- to the fourth generation. And Job died an old man full of his days. <laughs> Susan Coker, come here. Karen Simmons, come here. Debbie, that would be Madison. If you need faith, if you need faith to believe what God has told you, to pull it out of heaven into earth for your children, for your marriage, maybe you live with a prophet and you need more faith, you need to get prayer. If you have children with addiction, or you want to make sure they don't get an addiction, come for prayer. What were the two scriptures you gave me besides the Job scriptures? Psalms 91, 7 and 8. Rodney started this whole thing on the phone. He, he talked about how he had to battle fear when their daughter Jessica was battling cancer. If you have a sickness and you're battling it, Debbie needs to pray for you. When you come and get what you need from these three, go find somebody in this building. Call them friend and pray for them and get set free of your own captivity. Break the fear that keeps you from having the realization that you have been entitled a double portion. Want to go to the keys? I gotta milk him like a goat because he was not gonna be around long. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's an imp- there, I'm telling you guys. You need to let Susie pray for you. Just come on up here and do it. There's an impartation happening today. To years of struggle from these mommies. It's all yours. What took them years, you can have in months. What took you months, you can have in days. Come and get, come and get what you need. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to identitychurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.